From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Wednesday edition is unconstitutional surveillance being conducted on members of Congress. Republicans are calling for open hearings on surveillance activities by Capitol Police, which are under the direction of Nancy Pelosi. Now, after last week's court filings by special counsel John Durham saying that Donald Trump was spied on both as a candidate and as president, the claim by members of Congress unfortunately appears to be par for the present course. We'll talk in just a moment with Texas Congressman Louis Gohmert. And the Senate is taking up the House-approved Continuing Resolution, or CR, which is basically kicking the funding can down the road. The proposed CR will go until March the 11th. There is some good news in the funding measure. We will talk with Oklahoma Senator James Lankford about that and something that most thought, correctly, was dead, the Equal Rights Amendment. Some on the left have been working to resurrect the failed amendment. We'll talk about it. Also, in uh, our Olympics 2022 Human Rights on Ice, Nina Shea, Senior Fellow and Director of the Center for Religious Freedom at the Hudson Institute, joins me to talk about another genocide that the Chinese Communist Party is engaged in. Also, yesterday, President Biden, in discussing the Russia-Ukraine situation, said this. I will not pretend this will be painless. There could be impact on our energy prices. So we are taking active steps to alleviate the pressure on our own energy markets and offset raising prices. Could this pain have been avoided? Well, we'll talk about it here on Washington Watch. Well, here we go again. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki saying the solution to inflation caused by trillions of dollars in government spending is trillions of dollars in more news to bring it up spending. because uh, as we talk about the impact of inflation which most people experience in their daily lives as rising costs one of the ways that we can address that is by passing uh, legislation that will help lower costs for Americans Montana uh, S- Senator Steve Daines joins me later for that discussion well the media has become so so bad Reuters put out a special I say special, and that's in scare quotes, earlier this week, a special report earlier this week entitled School Boards Get Death Threats Amid Rage Over Race, Gender, Mask Policies. Well, in the report, they left out widely known but inconvenient facts for their storyline. Why? I have a well-supported theory. Meg Kilgannon, FRC Senior Fellow for Education Studies, joins me for that conversation. You won't want to miss it. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, you can find it all later right there. And from FRC's two-year Bible reading plan, our verse for today is Exodus 23, 24. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. Now, the spiritual principle from that Old Testament law is don't be assimilated into or accommodating of the prevailing godless culture. Conquer it with the truth. To be a part of FRC's Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. In fact, I invite you to join me each morning at 8.44 a.m. Eastern Time for a short devotional based on the daily passage. You can join me on Facebook. It's Tony Perkins. Or you can go to TonyPerkins.com. 
All right. Uh, just got note that uh, Congressman Gohmert's tied up uh, in the floor. So I'm going to I'm going to go to another issue uh, that we've been tracking and uh, we're going to talk about a little bit later as well. Um, but that is the issue of the uh, the Hyde Amendment. Now, you're, you're familiar with the Hyde Amendment. That is the restriction on funding going toward the paying of uh, for abortion. Um something that the Democratic Party has said they want to get rid of. Joining me now to talk about the latest on this, Connor Simmelsberger. He is the Director of Federal Affairs, Life, and Human Dignity here at the Family Research Council. Connor, welcome back to the program. Great to be on, Tony. All right, we like to celebrate uh, victories here in Washington, D.C., and last uh, year or so. We haven't had so many of them, uh, but we've kind of got a victory here in keeping in place something that is extremely important to the pro-life community that Democrats have put a have put their crosshairs on for some time, but they've not succeeded. Tell us about it. Yes. So the Hyde Amendment, as you alluded to, is something even our own president, who is trying to get rid of it as fast as he can, has supported throughout his years in the Senate. But um, as our our Congress is getting down the stretch here to fund the government beyond their deadline of this Friday, uh, these negotiations on annual appropriations are, are still happening. But what the news is, is that it seems like a top line deal has been made. And in order for that top line deal on federal spending to be made, that the Republicans held the line to keep these legacy policy riders, we call them, Hyde Amendment, Helms Amendment, things that prohibit taxpayer funding for abortion, protect the conscience rights of doctors around America to not have to perform abortions. These key riders seem like they're going to be intact. But as you know, Tony, here in D.C., nothing's a sure bet until we actually see it in paper. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about uh, that coming up with uh, Senator James Langford of Oklahoma, kind of get the backstory on how they succeeded in keeping those in. Uh, Connor, thanks so much for uh, for jump, jumping in and uh, joining us today. We're going to go over to uh, Congressman Louis Gohmert, who joins us from Capitol Hill. Uh, Congressman Gohmert, uh, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Great to be with you. Thank you, Tony. All right. We were talking about the uh, start of the program about unconstitutional surveillance taking place of members of Congress. Now, some would think that's far fetched. But when we look at what just happened in the filing of the special counsel uh, in Durham's report uh, or court filings on Friday to suggest that the president of the United States was spied upon, this unfortunately appears to be par for the course for the deep state. Tell us about it. Well, it is par for the course, but it shouldn't be. And you can't keep a republic if you don't have checks and balances. And that means that one branch is not constantly spying on another. And that's what we had with uh, uh, the Clinton campaign with the DNC spying on the president. Uh, That is being confirmed now. But uh, With Troy Nails, we know the Capitol Police were coming in and surveilling his office, taking pictures, and that is a gross violation. We are, each member of Congress has the privilege of the communications with that member of Congress, and to be more specific, uh, I've had whistleblowers from the FBI The FBI has no right whatsoever, and the Supreme Court made this clear in the William Jefferson case. They have no right to to even get a search warrant and go through a member of Congress's office unless somebody that's part of the legislature screens material first. 
to make sure it's not privileged before the executive branch can get a hold of it. The Supreme Court made that clear. If FBI agents, if intel people cannot be safe in what they communicate to a member of Congress, then there will be no, there is no proper oversight. So to find out, as I did, that we had mail come in from a missionary a dear friend of mine went to Texas A&M, and uh, that letter goes to the DOJ first. And keep in mind, we have entirely different zip codes. It's not like, well, there was one digit different. No, it's very different. It should never have gone to the DOJ, and yet they clearly put their mark on it then and had opened my mail. And then a day after that, we get a letter that was sent from my district, just a constituent that has the right of privacy and privilege in our communications. It went to the DOJ for their review before they allowed me to get my mail. And they sat on that, Tony, for about four and a half months. It is an outrage. But here again, Pelosi has upended the Congress. She is required that before anybody can come talk to you, you have to first notify, give notice who's coming and what they want to talk about and all this kind of thing. It's never been done in the history of the Congress. And this Democrat administration, this bunch of Democrats running the House, they have turned it upside down. Privilege means nothing to them. And the way the House operates, unfortunately, in this particular case, a majority, they have a majority and they set the rules and she can do basically whatever she wants. That's exactly right. Um, You would think that there were people that cared enough about protecting the Republic in the Democratic Party. They would have said something, but they didn't. And actually, people have said, how could you leave Congress and run for the attorney general? Uh, You must have really gotten sick of it there. Look, Tony, I was looking forward to being in the majority. I already had a rule I wanted to get passed next year when we got into the majority. And that would be that all of the Democrats that voted to pass their rules that required members of the House to go through metal detectors and to wear masks all the time, that those rules would still apply to those that voted for it, but the rest of us would be free of the metal detectors, free of the masks, and would be free indeed. Uh, I I like your thinking, Um, but here's the bottom line. I want our listeners and viewers to understand that while Nancy Pelosi, and, and, and part of this goes like the proxy voting, we've talked about the proxy voting, But the courts won't touch it because of the separation of powers. The Congress has the right to set its own rules. So the courts aren't going to judicial arm is not going to stick stick itself into this. So this bottom line is it comes down to whoever we elect to Congress. And if you're going to elect leftists to run the Congress, this is what you're going to get, putting the entire nation at risk. So it's in the hands of the American people, really. Right. Yeah, and that's the old adage, uh, democracy ensures a people are governed no better than they deserve. Uh, I was hoping that the Supreme Court, the courts would take up some of the abuses, and and I've got a suit uh, uh, with a couple other members over the metal detectors being pretty outrageous, but uh, the truth is I 
I really cherish the times I sat down with Justice Scalia and, you know, we didn't talk about things he couldn't talk about. We exchanged a lot of stories. But at one point, Justice Scalia said, look, Louie, if you guys who have the power to change what you're doing in Congress, don't change it, don't work to change it then don't come running to us over to the Supreme Court to fix what you refuse to fix. And so I hear him still saying that kind of thing. And I'm afraid that's what got applied when it came to some of these rules in the House. I I, I feel your frustration, but also I know you cherish the Constitution. And uh, again, this comes back to the American people and who they put in power. And uh, we've got to make sure we have free, fair elections working through state legislatures and then going to the polls and voting in the fall. Louis, we're up against the break. Always great to talk with you, my friend. Good to see you. Great to see you, Tony. Thank you. And folks, I mean, look, this is it. Uh, You see this kind of stuff and it's it's really happening. And it's um, troubling. Frightening. I'm not sure how many uh, adjectives I can use to describe what is taking place, but it comes back to the American people. And this is one of the reasons we're going to talk about this a little bit later and what I think the media is up to trying to discourage people from getting involved. I think all this stuff about uh, January the 6th. Look, I don't you know where I stand on that. I did not support what happened there at the Capitol. I did support people going to this to the nation's capital to let their voice be heard. But to call all those people insurrectionist, that's about trying to freeze people out of the process and marginalize them by calling them names. Do not listen to the mainstream media. The legacy media is about freezing you out. All right, stick with us. We're coming back with Oklahoma Senator James Lankford next. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's Word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The Center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the Church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why Scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. 
to get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications. Sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host and the website TonyPerkins.com. Well, as we are talking about earlier, continuing resolutions, uh, kind of inside jargon, we call them CRs, are typically as dry as Washington politics get. Uh, The bills, of course, have to be paid to keep the government's lights on. And so uh, to speak about continuing resolutions or CRs, uh, that's the way the government gets funded, especially in the current environment. I, I, in fact, can't quite remember when the last time we did budgets here. Uh, they just keep funding uh, through these CRs. Well, this Friday, the federal government will again run out of funds and Congress will attempt to pass a CR by the end of this week. It's already passed the House. It's in the Senate. But the uh, continuing resolution the Senate is currently considered may bring with it some welcome news, as we were talking earlier on the pro-life front. Joining us now to talk about this, Senator James Langford of Oklahoma. Senator, welcome back to the program. Always good to be able to see you. Literally just stepped off the floor of the Senate. We're in a vote series, and so glad to be able to connect with you. Now, when uh, when will the CR be voted on? Is that uh, today or tomorrow? So it could be late tonight or early tomorrow. Uh, so they're still working on time, trying to negotiate a couple extra amendments on it. Now, you and I are never really in support of the big bloated government that uh, is being advanced. But there is some good news when it comes to the present CR, given where the Democrats are on so many important issues like life. Tell us about it. Yeah, so it still maintains all the issues about high amendment protections, all of those aspects. We're still functioning under Trump's budget, basically, at this point, because uh, Schumer and Pelosi have never worked together to be able to get a budget for this year. That means we're still under the previous president's budget, and this president literally has not passed a budget yet over a year into office. You know, President Obama had the same issue uh, multiple times, unable to pass a budget, and so did the CR. Uh, so I, I know there's some things we want to change, and a lot of uh, policy often uh, is involved in the budget and the spending. Uh, but a lot of pro-lifers are relieved that all of those pro-life writers, the Hyde Amendment and others, are still there. And as long as the Democrats can't get their act together, they can't fulfill one of their main missions, and that is to force taxpayers to fund abortion. 
Yeah, and that's where we want to be able to maintain that. Uh, no one really likes a CR because it's not strategic. We're not dealing with real budget issues uh, and trying to be able to deal with new programs and ending old programs because that's what budgets do when you're dealing with a multi-trillion dollar budget. Uh, but uh, we want to make sure, and that's what's some of the holdup in this process, that when we do get a final budget and it is put in place, it still has to have all the high protections, uh, the Weldon protections, as we talk about different things, where we protect conscience issues, whether it be with foreign dollars, whether it be individuals here in the United States and conscience protections to be able to say no to performing an abortion in a hospital setting or a clinical setting, or whether it be providing federal funds. All those things have to be maintained. We're not going to give one inch on any of those. I want to move on here very quickly, just a moment to the Equal Rights Amendment. One final question on the CR. I know uh, some of your colleagues are working on trying to get an amendment to the CR uh, regarding the mandates, the vaccine mandates. Is the Senate likely to vote on that? We will. Absolutely. That, that's one of the things that we have negotiated and said that we will absolutely get a, a vote on these vaccine mandates. We've had the same vote before. As you know, Democrats vote unilaterally to say, no, there are four mandates and Republicans overwhelmingly vote to be able to oppose those. Uh, we'll see how that vote comes up again tonight. Uh, we see Democrat cities like San Francisco and other places that are starting to be able to turn away from some of these mandates to say this is really getting absurd and all the mandate issues. We'll see if uh, Washington, D.C. Democrats are getting the hint as well. All right, Senator Langford, I, I want to move on to the Equal Rights Amendment, first uh, approved by the Senate back in 1973, sent on to the states for ratification, didn't make uh, the, the cutoff. They extended the period of time uh, from 1979 to 1982, still did not get the requisite number of states. Uh, but we saw uh, where in 19, uh, 2017, you had Nevada, uh, 18, you had Illinois, and then in 2020, Virginia. And so you have some on the left saying, oh, time, the, the, the time limits don't matter. This thing uh, has now passed. So there's some trying to get this ratified. Is that correct? It is pretty amazing. That is absolutely correct. Some are still trying to be able to ratify it. Uh, you are correct. They're saying time limits don't matter when actually in the original statute that actually set up this constitutional amendment called the Equal Rights Amendment, it was specific and it. it only would work for seven years. If all the states didn't ratify it for seven years, then it's null and void. Congress came back, passed something while that seven-year time period was still there and extended a couple of years. It still didn't pass during that time period. And now decades later, even after some states have now come up and said, no, we, we, we wish we'd have never voted for that, we rescind our initial approval of the Equal Rights Amendment. What Democrats are trying to do is to say time limits don't matter. And all the states that actually rescinded their vote, they don't matter either because we want to just be able to get this. And Tony, as crazy as it is, they've extended one more piece. They've actually now going to the uh, archivist uh, for the United States and going to him to be able to say, just ignore what's happened in all those states and just declare it a constitutional amendment as if the archivist of the United States could just unilaterally declare something in the Constitution of the United States. So it's gone from really absurd to really, really, really absurd at this point. And we continue to be able to press back. And you have uh, you've communicated to the archives uh, regarding this. I have actually just be able to make it very clear because Democrats continue to be able to press him uh, to be able to say, just wave this through and just declare it into the Constitution. So what I've done is written out a letter and I have quite a few of my colleagues that have joined me on it already just to be able to say, here are the court cases that would tell you you can't do this. Here's the constitutional argument that would tell you you can't do this. The Department of Justice has already ruled on this and you can't do this. So 
don't do it. Don't break the law. Don't ruin your position and your tradition, especially when he is approaching retirement in the days ahead. Don't end this way by trying to be able to violate the United States Constitution when you've been the person actually protecting those sacred documents. Don't now walk away from them. You're, you're absolutely right. It's not his role. Uh, it's not his role to to do this. So uh, final question for you, Senator Langford, up against a break here. Um, is this ultimately going to end up in the courts? Well, I hope it never ends up in the courts with the issue with the ERA because the courts have already ruled on it and they've already said no, that the, the states do uh, that have declared this to be in there don't count because they've extended past the deadline. So if the archivist steps in and tries to declare it, that's going to end up in the courts. But the best thing that could happen now is to say courts have already ruled on this. Archivists walk away from it. All right. Senator James Langford, always good to see you, my friend. It's always great to see you as well, Tony. All right. All right, folks, on the other side of this break, our special human rights on ice segment, Hudson Institute's Nina Shea will join me to talk about the second genocide being carried out by the Chinese Communist Party. So stay tuned for that. Also still coming up, Senator Steve Daines of Montana will join me and we'll be talking with Meg Kilgannon, education issues. So don't go away. Lots more Washington Watch still to come. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Beijing 2022, Human Rights on Ice. Since the start of the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, we have been devoting a segment each day to highlight some of the abuses being committed by the Chinese Communist Party, and frankly, there are many. 
Uh, you've probably heard, as we've talked about, the genocide of the Uyghur minority that has been uh, highlighted occasionally by the media. What you may not be aware of is the second CCP genocide, which my next guest says is long overdue for recognition. Joining me now to talk about this for today's Human Rights on Ice segment is Nina Shea, Senior Fellow and Director of the Center for Religious Freedom at the Hudson Institute. Nina, welcome back to the program. Great to be with you, Tony, and thanks for shining the spotlight on China's abuses during this Olympic period. It's very Uh, important. It is, and and we're trying to make the best of what I think is a bad situation of giving them the opportunity to try to whitewash their image. But uh, we want to put the spotlight on the truth. Let's jump right into this. What is Mm -hmm. the second genocide that the CCP is engaged in? It's organ harvesting, forcible harvesting of uh, religious minorities' body organs. It's unbelievable, absolutely ghastly, but these groups that are detained in large numbers are being uh, exploited for their organs. Their organs are being excised, their heart, their liver, their kidneys, their corneas being excised and sold for a profit um, throughout China. It's been going on for 20 years and uh, it hasn't gained enough recognition. Uh, The Falun Gong is a spiritual um, exercise movement. Uh, It's an offshoot of Buddhism. And they're the ones that have been hit the hardest. Uh, Experts, researchers who've been tracing this, Tony, over the last 20 years, um, estimate that between 60,000 and 100,000 organ transplants are done in China each year. Again, it's a multi-million dollar business. Um, and uh, it, it, it's uh, also being the UN has special uh, experts have come out and a dozen of them last year and said that they validate this. They, they uh, have heard credible evidence. They are alarmed by this credible evidence that detainees who are either Uyghurs or Tibetan Buddhists or Falun Gong, especially Falun Gong, or even Christians are being, um, when they're in detention, are being selected, uh, screened, blood tested for organ matches, and then they disappear. And that there is every uh, indication that they are being used for uh, these transplants because China has never given an explanation that's credible um, about where their organs are coming from. And there's no transparency, as you know. Now, a number of years ago, the claim was that they were using prisoners that were on death row. Uh, yeah. th- there was outcry against that. They backed off of that. But the the number of organ, organ transplants has just ballooned, and it's become uh, like a tourist attraction for those seeking yeah. uh, organ transplants. And, you know, to compare that to the United States here, where you got to get on a waiting list for, you know, for years in some cases, there it's like a menu. You call up and you schedule it and you go and you get it right away. Obviously, there's something going on. That's exactly right. And um, some doctor in the United States, uh, NIH has a database where you can look it up. And uh, I did. It's for over four years to a waiting list for a kidney. There, the way it works is that you call up and say, I need a kidney, and they say, come on in. Um, And within days or weeks, you get a kidney that's a perfect match. And if it isn't, they keep trying with uh, immediately with four other kidneys. And this is an actual case that I I learned about. 
Um, so it, it's uh, the medical as part of the medical establishment internationally figured it out, and they said this this does not make sense. That um, within days of or hours even of asking for an organ, um, any organ, you can get scheduled. You can schedule an appointment in advance, and they will have the organ there for you. And they have archived. The researchers have archived. Um, ads that hospitals in China have put out um, say to, to Japanese, for example, uh, saying that our organs are better from because they're from live donors, they're much better than cadaver don uh, organs. Uh, Nina, let's um, the, the nexus between what we're talking here, which could be China seeking a profit and genocide, which is a technical term of trying to basically drive a, an ethnic group into extinction. The reason this is being called genocide, not just by you, but by others, is that they are targeting this particular uh, group of individuals, the Falun Gong, uh, Christians, Uyghurs, and that's a part of their plan, is it not? Yes. Um, they are aiming to destroy these religious minorities. The UN letter said from the special independent experts at the UN, I should say they're independent, um, and they they came out in a joint statement saying that while they're taking the blood uh, samples and organ screening of Falun Gong detainees, um, they're not doing it with other detainees, with other uh, prisoners. They're doing it with religious minorities only, um, not just Falun Gong, but primarily Falun Gong. And um, now they seem to be shifting to Uyghurs because they're in these detention camps where there is no oversight. What, it, what this is, um, this is carrying out a policy that the president of China, uh, Zhang Zemin, back in uh, 1999, said that the, he wanted to eliminate uh, these the Falun Gong group. And he created an apparatus called the 610 office within the public security, uh, say, and within the CCP, the Communist Party, uh, to carry it out. And so there is an intent, which is part of the technical definition, right. as you know, of genocide, and um, there is um, no response from China when the cases are brought from them. They, um, they want to suppress that information. So what's going Nina, on? Nina, we're, we're out of time, up against a break, but we're going to continue this conversation another day. Thanks so much for joining us and appreciate all your work on this. Stick with us, folks. We're back Thanks. after. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. 
Why should we care about this freedom? At Finley Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, yesterday, as he was providing an update on Russia and Ukraine, President Biden essentially told Americans to brace for more pain at the gas pump and elsewhere if Moscow invades, uh, because the Russian-built Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipeline to Germany would be suspended as a consequence. I'll not pretend this will be painless. There could be impact on our energy prices. So we are taking active steps to alleviate the pressure on our own energy markets and offset raising prices. We're coordinating with major energy energy consumers and producers. We're prepared to deploy all the tools and authority at our disposal to provide relief at the gas pump. But many, including yours truly, would argue that these secondary effects of the Russia-Ukraine conflict is self-inflicted. It's a self-inflicted crisis. It is policy decisions of this administration that has made our energy supply vulnerable. And I think my next guest would agree. Joining me now is Montana Senator Steve Daines, a member of the Senate Energy Committee, as well as the Banking and Finance Committees in the Senate. Senator, welcome back to the program. Good to join you, Tony. All right. Uh, Is this self-inflicted in terms of the volatility of our energy supply? Tony, if you take economics 101, they teach you about supply and demand. What this president is doing and has done to America is is he is restricting the supply of made in America energy. Remember on day one, hours after he was sworn in, he killed the Keystone XL pipeline through executive order. Then he moved forward and he declared a halt to all oil and gas leases on our public lands across America. He stopped them. 
Then he's moving forward these bureaucrats, he's placed in his administration that want to see the United States stop using oil, natural gas, and coal. And as you mentioned, he greenlights the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and gives Putin a direct connection between Russia and Germany and makes, makes Europe now more dependent on the Russians for their energy needs. Tony, he's taken us right back to where we were back in the dark days of the 70s, where we saw escalating oil prices, create inflationary effects. And don't ever forget, in 1981, a 30-year fixed mortgage was 18.6%. This president, through his policies, is taking us down that very dangerous path. And we're looking now at the average price at the pump for regular gasoline across the nation. It's nearly the average nationally is uh, around 350 per gallon. Now, two of your uh, Democratic colleagues are proposing to temporarily eliminate the federal gas tax. I mean, that's like putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. Well, it shows you, Tony, how desperate the Democrats are at the moment. They are hearing from their constituents loud and clear that inflation is their biggest challenge. We've seen the highest levels of inflation in 40 years, that 7.5% number that we saw last week. We, we are into territory again that reminds me of what it was like back in the 70s and 80s. And what's their solution? The gas tax? Are you kidding me? There's a clear solution. Why does he just tell the American people, go make more energy? He needs to stop these policies, get the Keystone Pipeline going again, start drilling more in America. Remember the drill, baby, drill conversations we had years ago? That's what we need because it's so important, not just for our economy, but also for the geopolitics, because when we are retreating from made in America energy, that means more made in Russia energy, more made in Iran energy. That's a very dangerous place for the world. It is. And for the first time in decades during the Trump administration, we were energy independent. In fact, we were actually uh, exporting uh, oil. We had come to a point where we were not dependent uh, on other countries, which is a national security issue. Now, this past Sunday, uh, speaking of the Keystone Pipeline, you sent a letter to the Biden administration demanding answers about the uh, outstanding report. They were supposed to submit a report that talked about the job losses as a result of canceling the Keystone Pipeline. Um, how important is it that we get the full impact of the president's actions and the American people have the opportunity to see that? Well, the American people need to see clear the consequences of the president's actions, how reckless the president was with one stroke of a pen to kill a critical piece of infrastructure, a pipeline. And what's crazy about this, Tony, the modern pipelines are the safest way to move a liquid. They also actually emit less carbon to move it via a pipeline than via a rail car or a truck. And so it's the environmentally sound way to do it. It's a safe way to do it. It also would have created somewhere between 10 and 15,000 jobs, tens of millions of dollars of tax revenues that go to some of these really impoverished counties that I have in Montana to help fund law enforcement and teachers and uh, taking care of basic road repair in their communities. Uh, this is what happened. I wish Joe Biden would have come out like I did back in February and visit face to face with these families who literally received a pink slip right after the holidays because of President Biden's actions when he killed the Keystone XL pipeline. So, Senator Daines, could that pipeline be restarted? 
it's going to be more difficult. Uh, there's a chance, but uh, time kills deals. And the longer this goes on, the harder it is to remobilize what needs to be done here to get that pipeline put in the ground. Literally, they were starting to dig the trench. Literally, you could see the pipe pre-staged in areas very close to where that pipeline was going to run. I saw it right there in Montana because the first place the Keystone Pipeline comes into our country is Montana. Saw it firsthand. Every day that goes by, it's going to be harder to resurrect that pipeline. And the consequences of that are going to be felt for the next generation. Let me talk uh, uh, more broadly about the economy. Uh, During the White House press briefing yesterday, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked by a reporter about why President Biden continues to talk about the Build Back Better plan. And uh, here's her response. The president continues to bring it up because uh, as we talk about the impact of inflation, which most people experience in their daily lives as rising costs, one of the ways that we can address that is by passing uh, legislation that will help lower costs for Americans, uh, whether it's child care or health care or the cost of prescription drugs. And we can do that and fully pay for it by making the tax system more fair. <laughs> All right. I- I'm just going to let you take that one on. Tony, it's hard to keep a straight face. Listen, what she just said with, we call it the Build Back Broke program they're trying to push. Here we are in the midst of record levels of inflation in 40 years. And what she just proposed is that we pass one of the biggest spending bills in our nation's history. It'd be a $5 trillion bill. That's what she just basically proposed with $3 trillion of additional debt with higher taxes. So you put that massive spending by the government on top of already inflation fire that's burning. That truly is throwing kerosene on a flame on the inflation fire at the moment. And it's hard to keep a straight face. They're tone deaf at the moment when they say the solution to the problem here is basically to make the problem worse. I mean, wouldn't it be better to allow the private sector to invest into expanding, creating more jobs, helping fight inflation by being able to pay their employees more if they kept the money. What they're proposing is taxes on primarily those who generate uh, jobs. Small businesses would be hit by their proposed taxes. I mean, this is, as you said, this is more of the agony that they have put on the economy and the American people. Tony, case in point, we talked about the Keystone Pipeline. That is a private sector-led infrastructure project that creates jobs, creates high-paying jobs. It creates tax revenues, not, not spending taxpayer dollars. And that, that's what we should be focused on. And that's just a fundamental divide we have between the, to the philosophies of where we stand on the right and where the Democrats have gone. The Democrats of today are so far to the left ideologically, they're leaving the American people behind. And that's why you're going to see this massive red wave hit the shores in the November 2022 election. I, uh, I think you're right, Senator. One final question for you, just as we're, it, you know, we, we try to inform, educate people that uh, watch and listen to the program. Uh, beyond the ideology of the two parties, let's talk pure economics. A dollar that is that the government takes and puts into jobs or a program versus a dollar that the private sector puts in. The government dollar does not have the multiplying effect that that private sector dollar has, does it? It doesn't. 
And uh, you know, the bottom line is you think about the efficiency of these investments. When you allow the American people, the private sector, to make their choice of where the dollars are invested, first of all, they, they are investing it based on what the free market is saying, the best place to invest, highest return on that investment. The government takes those dollars through taxes, brings it back to Washington, D.C. And first of all, it takes about a 30% haircut right off the top to feed the beast here in Washington. So you already start with maybe only 70 cents on the dollar, which really left to even redeploy. And then the government's deciding where to redeploy that, not the private sector and free markets. That's the fundamental contrast here between a private sector-led economy and freedom and socialism and, frankly, how China runs their economy. That's what's at stake. This is a fundamental battle between freedom and socialism. It absolutely is. Senator Steve Daines, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Tony. All right. Senator Steve Daines of Montana. Also, I failed to mention he is the chairman of the Pro-Life Caucus in the Senate and champions the sanctity of human life. Uh, Great guy. And by the way, I know we have a lot of folks in Montana that listen to the program. So I would encourage you to uh, to reach out and uh, just thank the senator for his great work that he does uh, in Washington, D.C. All right. Earlier this week, Reuters published a special report. And I put that in scare quotes, special report that highlighted some of the threats being received by school board members across 15 states in the nation. For the report, 33 board members were interviewed and more than 220 threatening messages were obtained, according to Reuters. The messages highlighted uh, are bad, no doubt, and uh, we at the Family Research Council certainly uh, condemn such actions. Uh, no, no, uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, because we've been the recipient, not only of uh, hateful emails, which we get all the time, uh, but we've, as some of you know, we had a gunman come in and shooting in our building. We, we respect the exercise of free speech, but we also require responsibility and civility to make our system work. But uh, like reports from the AP, we're seeing selective reporting that appears to be designed to discourage citizen involvement lest they be labeled terrorist or insurrectionist. Now, here with me to discuss this is Meg Kilgannon, FRC Senior Fellow for Education Studies. Meg, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. It's great to be back. All right, Meg, you uh, read this special report. Uh, what did you think about it? Oh, it was special, all right. It was a it was a special hatchet job on parent engagement at the school board level, and you see in, in very clear display the kind of uh, help that one side of the aisle gets from the media, from a complicit media. And the kind of backup that our side never gets from the media when we're in charge of the government. The DOJ made those ridiculous, released the memo uh, essentially calling parents domestic terrorists back in October. And you see this, and and that was roundly condemned by many people, of course. But you see now the media coming along to carry that water for the DOJ and for the people who want to make sure that experts and um, politicians control education and not parents. Yeah, just that one uh, item in particular, quoting from the story, White House, uh, they actually talk about uh, this letter from the attorney general or the attorney general 
Merrick Garland vowed last year to devote federal resources to combating threats to school officials after the National School Boards Association in September sent a letter to the White House request for federal enforcement to stop the, quote, growing number of threats and violence and acts of intimidation occurring across the nation. But they did not go into uh, the fact that it's now been exposed, that the White House actually asked for that letter and that it was coordinated. They don't say anything about that in this report. They also, in this report, go to uh, Loudoun County, a district you're very familiar with, and uh, they, they go back to the bathroom policy that was taking place uh, there that had parents all enraged. And um, th- their reporting on that was selective as well. T- tell our viewers about that. Right. They, they go into great detail trying to rehabilitate one of the school board members who has received, I would say, accurate uh, and harsh coverage in some conservative media outlets. They seem to want to rehabilitate her with this piece and uh, talk about the issue of the transgender bathroom. They never mentioned the fact that the that the young man who was accused of these attacks has been convicted of them. Um, They and that is well known that this publication story date of this story, that that information is well known and easily known by them and should have been reported. Um, They don't talk about that investigation very much at all. They don't, they don't talk about the fact that um, Loudoun County is going to be under a special investigation by the Attorney General of, uh, of Virginia. Um, they, they, the coverage of that topic is it's irresponsible. I mean, it, it yeah. would be laughable, except it's not funny. And, um, and we're and, seeing this in the, we're seeing it in the AP, we're seeing it in Reuters. And this, you know, Meg, I just have to underscore, what this is designed to do is to discourage those who are in being involved in their communities, lest they be labeled an insurrectionist or a domestic terrorist. And it's absolutely wrong. This is why we cannot believe the uh, legacy media. Meg, we're out of time. Always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. And folks, I want to thank you as well. Sorry, we're always running out of time. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, no matter what, just keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.